basketball doesn't mean I should raise your kid. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Dear Adam Silver, a show about art, sports, and the creative space they share. As always, I am your host, Abigail Smithson. For the past three weeks, I have been working with Wave Pool Gallery in Cincinnati as their artist in residence. During my time here, I had the chance to speak with multimedia artist Brianne Trammell. This was very exciting because Brianne also loves sports. She incorporates players, the culture, and the events surrounding the games into her work. We also both share a fascination and appreciation for Dennis Rodman's playmaking, which we get into during our conversation. For this and many other reasons, it was wonderful to chat with Brianne. As a side note, since I am on the road, I do not have my regular audio recording equipment with me or a quiet bedroom closet to record in. So please forgive me for some of the background noise and less than perfect recordings. We made this episode on the floor of Wave Pool Gallery in Camp Washington, Cincinnati. One last thing about today's episode that came up and I've wanted to touch on for a while is that Brianne and I are both white women, female artists working about sports um, and wanting to incorporate activism into those, into our, our work. Um, I mean, definitely in mine, I think that this is, is true of brands as well. And I just, I would like that to be, um, to be something that comes up in my podcast more. And there sometimes is some hesitancy on my part to talk about the issues that I'm most upset about or care the most about in a really direct way. But I think that I really admire how Brianne was discussing some of the things she's done when she's attended a sporting events, the the t-shirt she's worn, the signs that she's brought in, how she reacts to the national anthem. And there's so much fear, I think, about where we put our bodies, how our bodies might be treated, and all of these things that I have about my own, which I have have grown up with immense privilege. So if I have that about my own body and fear of, um, you know, sitting for the national anthem, I can't imagine who someone who does not have that same privilege feels. So I just really admire Brianne for this. And it was a, a good point that, that we, that we got to, and I would love to take part in more conversations about, um, where we can, um, sort of insert ourselves into conversations as both fans and artists that uh that bring about a, a greater awareness of some of these these um issues of racism. Um so yes, that's just something else that I wanted to add. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Okay, so I am here. This is one of my first uh in person podcast interviews and I am here with Brianne Trammell. Just going over some last name pronunciation. <laughs> um, and we're in Camp Washington, Cincinnati in the Wavepool Gallery. And we are going to talk about um, maybe our relationship with sports as artists and as just people and how those things overlap or don't overlap. And yeah, thanks so much for stopping by. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, and thanks course. to uh, Maria Cita Rita Reader for introducing us. Yes, yeah. that was great. I know I mentioned that I was interested in talking to people for my podcast and she was like, I got these people to put you in touch with and it just was very magical that that happened. So if you want to start out by um, explaining a little bit about your artwork and how you sort of, you know, your practice, and then we can talk a little bit about how sports is a part of that. 
Okay, yeah, so I make a lot of different kinds of things. Um, my work is project-based, so I kind of jump between and pivot between sculpture, printmaking, um, publishing zines, doing like visiting artists, participatory projects at various places. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely like a constellation of all of those things. But yeah, just put together. Yeah. Um, so the sports part of it, I guess, should I start talk talking about that? Or Yeah, I mean, just because there seems like when I'm looking at your website and um, your Instagram and things like that, there's like a number of sort of like pop culture feeds into mm -hmm. your work, whether that's about sports or not. So maybe talking about finding, I mean, I think that they're, um, you know, in finding beauty in branding and things like that. Like, that's a big thing for, like, sometimes I think about the NBA logos that mm -hmm. I like the best and how they mm -hmm. affect me and why mm -hmm. they affect me so much. So, yeah, just any thoughts you have about that? Yeah, I guess, like, I didn't answer your first question <laughs> about, like, what is the work about? Um, but, yeah, like, the pop cultural element, like, things that are mined from, like, my personal history or inventories um, or my everyday, my family history, um... Yeah, responding to like current events. Um, yeah, but then also thinking about like subverting these logos and these um, like just sort of maybe institutional characters. Like I've been working with this Mattel character called Poochie um, and subverting Poochie ephemera like stickers and um, that hmm. sort of thing to kind of point to like contemporary like anxieties about relationships and just the political socio-political landscape so right um so yeah like not necessarily working with like the nba logos per se but like using other um like brands or like characters to kind of point back to like what's happening now and then also comment on like how problematic they were to begin with because yeah. this Poochie character is like specifically branded for girls that's what like, what it says on the packaging and um, this one specific sticker set included like Poochie roller skating or like writing a letter like to her pen pal um, I'm assuming like the gender is also like of the dog is female so yeah um, but the texts are like I'm sorry and oops and I just felt like it was um, sort of a way to kind of like form language around like the need to apologize and sort of um, yeah this very gender gendered language um, so trying to like take that back and then use it to kind of point to these other things that are happening. Yeah. So the new texts are like in mass incarceration, um, close the camps, the war on drugs is a scam, but then also thinking about like dating um, and one of the texts is not your therapist, whatever, right. forever. Yeah. So these sort of like, um, yeah, the anxiety surrounding dating, but then also like nihilism and like, what are we doing? Like. One of the stickers says "nothing matters." I'm saying that in air quotes. Um, so, so a lot of the a lot of different feelings and emotions that I think can be conveyed through this like this character and yeah. like reclaiming that and using that as as a tool to communicate these these other messages that are important to me. Yeah. Did you have a relationship with <laughs> Poochie before no. this? No. I remember. I remember seeing it. 
Um, but we didn't really have a lot of money when I was growing up, so it was one of those things where, like, we'd go to Walmart to buy back-to-school supplies, and I could pick out, like, one fancy notebook, which would have been, like, a Lisa Frank uh-huh. notebook. Um, and so, like, Pucci, Sanrio, like, those were kind of, like, the upper, the upper echelon, like, the oh, upper okay. esh of, uh, like, all of the printed matter ephemera right. that I really loved. Yeah. Like, I mean, I love office supplies. Pencils, yeah, stickers, post-its. notebooks, yeah, post-its, really anything. So I, I also like thinking about taking those objects and uh, subverting or co-opting them in a way that speaks to, yeah, just contemporary life and yeah. all of those, like, anxieties and, uh, yeah, and then also, like, the things that are really fucked up about what's going on today right. and the injustices, so... Yeah, it's all swirling around those things and how I can use those those images and those texts as a platform or a forum to talk about the things that I think are important and need to be in the world. So, and the Pucci stickers are like giant. They're like I don't know, like 24 inches by 24 inches, wow. and then they're also smaller. And the smaller ones I stick um, like on public, uh, like crosswalk boxes and things yeah. like that. So I think. That's the other thing is that they have multi, they can exist in multiple places. So it can be in like a sort of gallery, whatever, white wall setting, but then also stick them up outside and keep an eye on them. Yeah. Yeah, I like to see like if they, someone peels them off or right now I have one in my neighborhood and half of it's torn off. So it says in mass in (laughs) instead of in mass incarceration. (laughs) So, um, yeah. 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 When did you start using appropriation as a tool for your work? I think it was when I was in graduate school. Um, I made these giant bookmarks that mimic the graphic language of Lisa Frank printed yeah, material. Yeah. Um, Yellow dogs. Yeah, surfing. super poppy, like shiny colors, um, rainbows. Um, but then I would include text. So these, I made a set of giant bookmarks and, um, they were like seven feet tall and the series was called Things People Have Said to Me. And one of them is like, you don't give a shit about anyone but yourself. Why aren't you better at math? Um, you will never amount to anything, which are all things people have said to me. Yeah. Um, through, from like high school to like now or when I was making them. So, um... I think that's when I started to think about these forms like of the bookmark and like the things that I would love to collect when I was a kid. Um, but instead of Bible verses or inspirational messages, it's these like really dark things that, you know, people say to me, to us that we internalize. So it was kind of a way to talk about that. Um, so on the surface, it's like super bright, shiny, like object, but then like the text is really hard. Yeah. Um, but there's like this element of dark humor that I really like. So humor sort of being like a way to talk about these hard histories and like memories and moments. And um, yeah, so humor as like a vehicle, I think is really important to me. Mm-hmm. And how does, I mean, I think when you're 
sort of dealing with, I don't know, I don't, it's hard, I think, to make work about things, sort of iconic pop culture symbols or things like that and not have an element of humor in it. Mm -hmm. It just seems like that's kind of built into the mm -hmm. process a little bit. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the funny thing about Poochie, too. Like, it's... It's kind of funny. Be, I don't. I think it might just be the cute kind of yeah, element to it, because yeah. um, she's like in motion, like roller skating. Yeah. But then it's like this other text that counters that. So it's like this contrast, contradiction that I also really like. Right, the juxtaposition. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that is an interesting thing with those bookmarks, just because we don't need to necessarily build up any strength to deal with inspirational quotes. There's something that we can always sort of like take in and accept and maybe can sometimes, you know, when I've been in Hobby Lobby and walked by the aisles where it's just like the decorative home love. stuff with mm -hmm. laugh love, um, <laughs> whatever, like seize the day, <laughs> grandchildren of seize the day, like as it's come down, like all of that, like those don't, those don't necessarily in that space don't make me feel, I mean, they make me feel a little, Oh, this is creepy. Yeah, they make me feel gross. Yeah. yeah. So, but you know, coming across something in a more random way on a mural or, um, you know, something, you know, if you're scrolling through Instagram and you see something nice, then it can feel a little more like, oh, this is a nice thing to read. But there's, there's no part of me that needed to be trained to deal with that type of language. Whereas like as a child or coming of age or however old you are, even as an adult, like you totally replay this harsh Mm -hmm. detrimental comments over and over again that you we don't internalize the live laugh love we internalize the you'll never amount to anything mm -hmm. so yeah that was my high school journalism teacher that said that to me <laughs> oh my gosh wow <laughs> yeah teachers really um it's a mixed bag out <laughs> there <laughs> yeah yeah shit but yeah. with sports it's like Sports are important to me. I've like pivoted to them and away from them a lot um, over the past like 15 years or 20 years. I don't even know, but it's been a constant like almost my whole life. Yeah. Um, where like our family sort of myth is that I was almost born in a bowling alley because my my parents were like competitive bowlers, <laughs> mostly my dad. Yeah. Um, my dad played competitive baseball growing up and then went to college on a baseball scholarship um, and and then like my mom got pregnant they had me and then I just also grew up like going to all my dad's softball games like he and his brothers my uncles would play like every week and it was yeah. competitive church league softball so yeah so it was that played soccer with my brother um, I played volleyball in high school um, I've played intramural competitive cornhole when I lived in Iowa. Wow. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. <laughs> Playing, like, adult league pickup games for volleyball. And, yeah. Yeah. And are you from Iowa originally? No, I'm originally from California. Okay. Yeah. So, I am, too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was born in Vallejo. Okay. I'm from Redwood City, just south of San Francisco. Okay. Yeah. Um... I was just going to say about Iowa, Iowa and other states are interesting to me that have no professional 
teams yeah. because then it's like how do sports exist there when I mean of course the college sports yeah, college is, huge. is really important mm-hmm. um, but also I feel like I my association to sports is a lot of like San Francisco Giant games and stuff like that growing up and like the yeah. Warriors and the 49ers whereas I don't think so much about college or that my mm-hmm. experience taking in sports wasn't necessarily through either local games or university games. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we yeah. grew up watching, we were a family divided. It was like Raiders or the 49ers, like must pick. Wow. And then uh, my family was like big Oakland A's fans. So I grew up watching like Mark McGuire and Jose yeah. Canseco, like Bash Brothers. And, um, and then when we moved to Texas, we would go to Ranger games. So. Um, yeah, and it's like golf on Sundays, like watching every single game, basketball, like football on TV, like it was just a constant. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, also when I was in graduate school, I, I started thinking about sports um, and I made, I was making a lot of wallpaper pattern, like installations, and I made a, an Oakland A's inspired <laughs> wallpaper pattern. Uh, for my dad, just to try to connect with him yeah, somehow, totally. and because uh, he's never been supportive of what I want to do with my life, so if I could find like some middle ground in in making work and like making it sort of for him, but also like thinking about sports sort of being this like toxic space for um, yeah, like toxic masculinity, yeah. like the Bash Brothers. Right. Um, so this wallpaper pattern was about the Bash Brothers. And it sort of, it took Conseco and Maguire's numbers um, and like incorporated into this sort of like formal, traditional, like French wallpaper pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, and it included text and the text was like anatomically sort of poking fun at masculinity, um, like it was, sort of like testicular serifs on the text. Um, yeah, but it was like, it was just called the Bash Brothers for yeah. Dad. And he finally saw it. And I think he was like, okay. Just maybe accepted it for what it was. No, yeah. no real conversation beyond that. But yeah. Yeah, do you, how does that, your, I mean, were you ever, I think in my experience that I, there was an aha moment where I was like, I can make work about sports. Like that's something that I yeah. can do, which I don't think was, I don't know. I think I, that was kind of a, um, I don't know why I had such a hard time. Well, I think there's there. the stigma that like artists aren't allowed to like sports. Um, artists can't play sports. Um, so and I felt that for a long time. And I think my aha moment came when I was living in Iowa. Um, I was teaching at the University of Iowa for a year. And like simultaneously, I met one of the graduate students, Kyle Peets, um, who liked sports and was open about liking sports. Yeah. And at the same time, I knew of um, this publishing imprint in New York called Endless Editions, uh, which was started by Paul John and Anthony Tino. And they they make a zine called Sports, S-P-R-T-S, Sports? Uh, okay. Sports, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I had posted 
one of my like real men wear black Raiders sweatshirts. Uh-huh. Um, I posted it like on Instagram or whatever, and Paul was like, "You should send that to sports," and like, "We'll put it in the zine." Yeah, it's like, oh, okay. Right. So I like scanned it. I also have a Battle of the Bay um, Giants World Series. Or no, wait, who was that? Uh, yeah, Giants A's World Series sweatshirt, which is like this amazing illustration of the stadium. But that was the year of the big earthquake, mm-hmm. which I felt like wow. our house shook from that. Yeah. So I scanned both of those t-shirts or the sweatshirts and then sent them in. And then like a year later, I asked Paul if I could guest edit an issue. And so I wrote this like letter, editor's letter for that issue, and it just sort of like was kind of my love letter to sports, and like it just kind of talked about all of the different things that I really loved about sports, and sort of kept hidden away for a long time. But that ultimately, like putting together that issue was a way to sort of make community um, and do it with people that I admired, who also enjoyed sports as artists. Yeah. So anyways, those were my two aha moments that kind of gave me permission to make work about sports. And it also, I felt like it gave me agency to be open <laughs> about really liking sports. Like yeah. I genuinely, not all sports, but I just love the idea, the participation, the experience. Um, yeah, being on a team, like rooting for the underdog. I really love that. Yeah. So, and then also at the University of Iowa, um, I was a visiting artist and I was, it was an endowed position. So this, it was the Virginia Myers visiting artist in printmaking. And Virginia Myers, she um, championed the use of hot stamped foil in printmaking. Okay. So it's like a commercial foil yeah. that you'll see on like book covers or like toothpaste boxes, whatever. Super shiny, really colorful. Is this from the crest? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, so I was learning her uh, her technique, and at the at the same time, or prior to moving to Iowa, I had read Phil Jackson's um, Eleven Rings: The Soul of Success, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Um, and in the book, he talks about uh, you know just his experience of coaching the Bulls, and his experience coaching Dennis Rodman, yes. and. Uh, he describes like a lot of the Bulls players being really upset with Dennis Rodman and all of his antics um, on and off the court. And there's one passage in the book that says, I don't understand how they could be upset with someone who has a big yellow happy face dyed into his hair. Uh And so I read that and I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Just as a sentence, like, so I immediately looked it up, found the picture and knew I had to like, use that in some way and then as I was learning this foil technique it just kind of became the perfect like subject matter um, because foil is so uh, just kind of in your face it's super colorful it's like undeniable when you see it it's like there and I just felt like that was such a nice sort of um, like material to kind of talk about Dennis Rodman Mm -hmm. and to look at all of the ways that he was dyeing his hair, which there's like the rainbow, the cheetah, um, Bert from Bert and Ernie. Like it's just, yeah, I just started to think about like that sort of being his, one of his costumes. Um, And then thinking about uh, them just being 
portraits of him and like celebrating him because after I read the Phil Jackson book, I started reading Dennis Rodman's memoir, Bad As I Want to Be. Uh -huh. um, and he talks about being uh, like the sixth man. And, you know, he's just this amazing offensive player that just never got the credit that he deserved. And so one of the prints was called The Fifth Horseman, uh, which is, I sort of took the image of Dennis Rodman sort of totally horizontal, yes. like going for the ball. Like yeah. It's like going out of bounds. He's like outstretched. It's like total Superman Completely pose. parallel with the floor. Yes. Yeah. And so I took that and rotated his body so it's vertical. So I was just sort of thinking about the Paul Pfeiffer photographic works of these players on the courts, yeah. um, these NBA players. Uh, so, so thinking about his series, the four horsemen and then inserting Dennis Rodman into that as the fifth horseman. Yeah, yeah. And so um, in addition to like all of the portraits that are just of, they're basically busts with like details of his hair. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was kind of like the perfect mesh of like this material that I was learning with all of these other um, sort of ideas about uh, costume and the sort of like peripheral things that happen around sports, which I'm also really interested in. Um, like the flags, the cheerleaders, the banners. Cheryl Pope is an artist that I think uses banners in a really amazing mm -hmm. way with text and like working with high school students and yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, so that image that were, you were talking about of Dennis Travin is just for me such a standout because Physically, it shows what you can do when you want something really badly. When you want to do something really badly, the the way your body can be used to try and do mm -hmm. that, and mm -hmm. um, that that's just not even maybe if he that's just not something you can practice necessarily. It's kind of just like this desire that you have to have, and of course, the strength, physical mm -hmm. strength. But it's not like now my body is going to be completely <laughs> just like a board and it's just <laughs> going to hover over the ground like as I'm diving for this ball. So I just, there, there feels, I mean, a lot of basketball players to me and I mean just athletes in general, there's such a strong desire and I think we see that more. Well, that's not true. I just was at a Reds game last night and I was thinking like, oh, this is, you know, I love basketball so much because of its um, speed. And, but then, Baseball has this kind of like almost sexy sort of like withholding. Here's a little bit. I'm going to take this back, you know, it's and slow. like it's so slow. And I was thinking also last night, this is off topic, but I, and I wasn't sure who to text when I thought of this, but I love when they change out the pitchers. Uh -huh. Like, I think that's such a beautiful moment when the manager comes out the to talk to the pitcher. Yeah, they're, mm -hmm. they're, you know, like the players are kind of like tapping or like mm -hmm. comforting the pitcher that's out there and we're like he did okay and then this like new pitcher walks onto the field like this like I'm gonna take care of this right now and I think that's such a beautiful I mean it's just such a there's a lot of like weird masculinity going yeah. on there and there's also a lot of like what I am sort of whatever however I've been brought up or what's been put in my head that like I think that that's like this like sort of fun, cool, hot moment in the game when like everything's being changed out and like there's this like, what's gonna happen now? And there's all these men sort of semi-comforting each other. Yeah. Conference, you know, we don't know what they're saying. Like that's kind of yeah, interesting. They're always covering their mouths. Yeah. And, yeah. and just thinking about, yeah, so anyways, 
I was having that last night, so I was thinking, like, you know, baseball has this other part that's really exciting. There was also a huge fight last night, which, like, of course happened in the, if that happened in the NBA, like, the league would just, like, shut down of, like... Yeah, everyone would be fine. Yeah, no one's coming to work anymore. It was crazy. Like, the manager for the Reds was already asked to leave the game, and he <gasps> came back from the locker room, I guess, to, like, join. Maybe he saw it on the TV in the locker room and, like, came back to join the fight, like, an inning later. So... <laughs> Um, wild to think about that happening in another league, but um, I'm not sure what I was saying. Um, so I don't know if I always see, I see desire a lot in basketball when I watch. I see desire in the players to accomplish a certain goal, and I think that's harder sometimes to see in a baseball game. Maybe not in like a documentary about baseball or like an interview with a baseball player, I, I think you get all those feelings, but on the field, it's kind of hard to see that like, you know, there are like those amazing catches and things like that, or like a double play or whatever, things that just, you have to have like this like crazy will to do that. But um, I just see that so often in basketball and that's something that really, um, like I want to operate like an athlete as an artist, if it's, but I mean, it, you know, that's a tricky thing because that's, those mindsets are kind of something that athletes usually start developing when their brains are still developing, when they're really young and they're you know, mm -hmm. learning how to compete and how to sort of ignore the, the person who's trying to win instead of them. Mm -hmm. But I still admire the way that it's like, oh, we're down 20. Like, we're still going to try and win this game mm -hmm. rather than, you know, this this... The direction of this project's not working. Like it's pointless. What's wrong with me? Like there's there's not room for that necessarily. It seems within like sports. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the determination. The determination yeah. and like the sort of I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep. We have to trying, and we can come back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I think. Um, well, that's like. Did you watch the March Madness like college basketball yeah. series this past yes. March? Yeah. Yeah, that's, I saw that a lot, um, just, like, teams being, like, just really behind, but, like, playing through that second half until the very end, right. and just, like, that sort of determination and stamina is, I don't know, I just think it's really, in no other, I mean, maybe it happens, I'm sure it happens in other places, and this is just, right. like, the thing that we see because it's televised and gets all of this attention, but... Yeah, I would like to operate like that as an artist. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think there are, like, analogies or parallels to, like, practice and then, like, the, you know, getting ready for, like, the big game, you know, the show. Right, yeah. And then, like, the, the sort of the daily kind of things that we do and set, setting up systems for ourselves to, like, to make the work to do the show or the event or yeah. Right. So, I mean, it, it is like, it, I think it's a lot like sports, being an artist, you know, like we need each other yeah. and uh, like I need a coach sometimes, like I need a trainer. Right. And I think and also therapist. this idea that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, that like athletes have to follow their intuition and mm -hmm. we, and I mean, that is like, well, and that goes Very back to the Rodman stretch. Yes, exactly. Like, he, like, it's he not even a thought. No. And I think that that was the thing that was so exciting and maybe, like, threatening about him sometimes that he was not thinking. 
he was just going for it. And not in a way that like he's an idiot and he doesn't think, but just that like he was just so in it mm -hmm. and he was so just responding to what was happening. I think that there was something that that was a little scary about that because it was like he was just, he's gonna jump into the mm -hmm. row with like no thought mm -hmm. of it. Like there might as well have been no one sitting there, mm -hmm. you know? Like he was so willing to just throw his body around mm -hmm. to make a play that, yeah, it's like, what do you do with someone who doesn't care or is willing to like risk their, mm -hmm. their most valuable asset? Mm -hmm. um, or as seen, their most valuable asset. So. I think that that's what was kind of exhilarating about him. Was like, what? What will he do? What will he do next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unexpected, like, yeah, just responsiveness, and just being like super in it in a way that was just very unorthodox compared to everyone else. I think right. that's why he just got. I don't know. He was like an easy target for like criticism because yeah. he just he was just so unique and he's I mean still is like it's just kind of wild to see know. Know, like, well it's hard to cause like, like admire him so much there's so many things I admire and then it's like oh like don't validate North Korea you know like yeah. you know but then um yeah so there's issues there but I also I mean when he wore that wedding dress mm -hmm. and things like that mm -hmm. it's like I think that if a you know he was probably maybe top 15 best players in the NBA at that time, maybe top 15 or top 20 when he did that. And I still think like if that happened today, that would also be a huge deal. Mm -hmm. if, if, an, if an NBA star wore a wedding dress mm -hmm. um, in public and, and you know, it was sort of a spectacle, mm -hmm. like that, that, I don't think that that response maybe has, has changed to how that would be handled or addressed. Um, but also because Dennis Rodman was kind of like, seen as this, like, who knows what he'll do next? It wasn't mm -hmm. as maybe surprising as it might have been if, I don't know if we had- Like Kyrie, person. like, I mean- Right, if Kyrie, all of a sudden we're gonna see a photo of Kyrie in a wedding dress, like, it would be like, what? What's happening here? Like, that doesn't, mm -hmm. because there's no Dennis Rodman, where we're like, who knows what's going on with him? He's the, he's the crazy one. Um, so, yeah, I want, I just, I just don't even know how that would exist mm -hmm. in today's, mm -hmm. which I don't even know if that means that we've gone backwards or have moved forwards or, yeah, but um, that was just an interesting event. Yeah, but yeah, Dennis Rahman, I also appreciate like his history and like how he came up and, you know, he didn't play basketball. Yeah, late until, Yeah, really late and like went to community college and uh, I think it was community in Oklahoma. And mm -hmm. then in Dallas, I think, and then, yeah, like, just had this crazy growth spurt, and then, I don't know, I just, I really, I like rooting for the underdog, yeah. and that's, like, one of the reasons why I watched Mar March Madness this year. I mean, I think that, like, in the NCAA, I think the athletes should be paid, you know, I think there's a, there's a lot of problems with that whole system, um, so I felt very conflicted about watching, because yeah. I think... Yeah, I think the students, like the players, in a lot of ways, like they, they're taken advantage of. And I think that, you know, free tuition isn't enough based on like the kind of uh, revenue that these games generate. Um, but yeah, Dennis Rodman, I don't know, he's just, 
he's always been one of my favorite people, and so I, I like talking about him. Yeah. Yeah. I ended up foiling Dennis Rodman on the wall in Iowa before I left. That image? That image, yeah. him super vertical. Um, I did it in a color that's like approximated to like uh, Klein Blue, uh -huh. uh, International Klein Blue, and then the piece was called Leap Into the Void. So it's like him, super parallel, Superman style. Yeah. And then, yeah, all blue. So that felt like a really good note to end on yeah. with, yeah, my Iowa experience. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other sort of sports thing that I have been doing the past few years is I, I published a zine called High and Outside. And it's about the double meaning of sports terminology. Because mm -hmm. um, you hear that term high and outside in a lot of different sports. Yeah. Uh, like tennis, basketball, baseball, football. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of been a way for me to invite artists and designers and writers and creative people to contribute. And then I'll put it together, publish it. Everyone gets a copy. Um, and then when I sell them, I'll donate the money to, in the past I've donated to Southern Poverty Law Center and then also Critical Resistance, yeah, um, which is a prison abolition nonprofit. So, um, so High and Outside is, it's about sports, but it's also about the outdoors mm -hmm. and about that sort of, uh, the meaning of High and Outside and all of the different interpretations that could come from that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a subtle way for me to acknowledge, uh, marijuana also. Right, yeah. Um, so, yeah, which is, I think as a white person to be talking about that, and as a white person, a white artist, that's why I also think it's kind of using this as a forum to point to organizations like Critical Resistance and all the work that they do, um, in terms of prison abolition and then also just thinking about and talking about um, like legalizing, decriminalizing, and then expunging and paroling um, people that have been, you know, imprisoned for marijuana charges. Right, um, yeah. So that's really important to me too. So like doing this thing that is, uh, feels good, I get to work with people that I really love and admire, but then yeah. also use it as a way to talk about these other things that are super important to me. Yeah. So the last issue was guest edited by a friend of mine, Mac Aiken, and that was the first time I've had a, invited someone to guest edit. Yeah. And I really liked that format because it just brings in even more people. Right. So, yeah. I was actually thinking about when we first started talking, you used the word pivot about something. I think what you were describing it in your process, maybe moving from different mm -hmm. mediums. And that's a word that I've thought a lot about as having multiple meanings. And I had written this poem about Kellyanne Conway as like the master pivoter rhetorically. I mean, I don't think she's a master actually because everyone knows that she's doing it. Whereas I think if you're really good at pivoting, like Hakeem Olajuwon, <laughs> it happens in a way that like, very quickly and all of a sudden you're scored on um, and you don't necessarily know mm -hmm. what happened in this dance. Um, so I wrote this poem about Hakeem Olajuwon and Kellyanne Conway and like this, the type of pivoting you need to watch out for. <laughs> and so I, lo I love that in sports, um, that through 
the culture that you were talking about through like the flags and the cheerleaders and like the, the merchandise and all this stuff and through the vocabulary that we use to describe different moves, different plays, um, you can access almost any other subject matter mm -hmm. through starting with sports. So starting with basketball, you can get almost anywhere else. Like the t term shot, like you can arrive at so many other subject matters just from that one word that is a part of basketball. Mm -hmm. So I find that um, it just is such a logical place to always come back to before, or like a logical lens to look <laughs> through when approaching almost anything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's just a thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so if, if anything, since I've realized that you can make work about, artwork about sports, it's felt like very, I think a lot of things have opened up through that that felt closed off. Mm -hmm. before yeah 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 there's this Instagram account ball is being and there's an mm -hmm. underscore in between each word so it's ball underscore is underscore being yeah and uh, she posts a lot of uh, basketball related imagery but then also basketball sort of sports related art mm -hmm. which is, has been a really awesome way to kind of learn about other artists that are interested in this um, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's tricky though, the sports thing, because it's something that has just been embedded into my life from mm -hmm. like ever since I was born. Um, my grandparents have a huge trophy wall at their house. It's like, I don't know, 15 foot like vaulted ceiling and it's just stacks of trophies, just shelves, like lining, going up the entire wall. Yeah. So it's always been this visual presence too. Um, and that hasn't changed. And I'm for like 39 years, yeah. like, so I'm constantly seeing that every time. And I'm always curious about like, well, I think that I rejected sports for a long time. Cause I think that was my way of like, uh, sort of emotionally dealing with my relationship with my dad. Um, and then when, after graduate school, I just started to realize like, oh, like that was their way of like creating culture for themselves and creating community mm -hmm. and maybe not, I think it was indirectly doing that, but just kind of being on the outside and looking back, like, okay, I get it. Um, so I think using sports as a vehicle to create that for myself or like using, um, the different elements, like the spectacle of sports. I like that you just said that because it's really early, or it's early, I haven't had all my coffee, yeah. but I, I love the spectacle of sports um, and all of those things that do happen on the sidelines, like the marching band too. I mean, I, I just love, I love the marching band, the drum line, like there's just something about the visual components of it all and then just like the energy, I think, um, is really amazing and I think to sort of tap into that as an artist I think is also a way to kind of bridge um, bridge the gap between like uh, sort of like capital A art and then um, yeah like doing something artfully yeah yeah like my dream is to 
I, do, I want to do like a stadium project where you have like the sheets of paper on the on the seats, uh -huh. and then at a given time, like everyone holds them up to like make one large text or a large picture yeah. or something. So I would, yeah, that's kind of like a, a long, yeah. long-term goal. I was hoping to do it at a Reds game or at some kind of game while I was here, right. but I'm moving. Yeah, Very maybe soon, in so. Fayetteville that, yeah. that will appear. Yeah, I have a bit of a plan to, I'd like to curate like a, an art show in a high school gymnasium yeah. Um, as a, yeah, I mean, that's just, it's, it's a hard thing because not everyone is seeing the same connections that we're seeing where I'm like, these two creative things belong together, you know, but it's kind of a hard thing to to get everyone on board with. But yeah, I really like the idea of just having them kind of live live near each other. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there there is something to be said for the the art that just exists versus, and I think contrived is a negative word, and I don't mean it to be negative, but the art that is um, constructed mm -hmm. versus like what is already occurring that is just feels so pure. I'm thinking about the Kawhi shot in the, um, the playoffs this year that like bounced four times and then went in where everyone was like holding on to each other and there was just like you know seconds passed before we knew if the ball was going to go in or not and it was just this huge thing it was like that was a spiritual moment that I don't know if I have felt in like a gallery space <laughs> recently because that just felt like this all these humans having this reaction and because of this human act like we're all experiencing this thing um, collectively, and um, there's a lot of power in that. Even though I was just watching the game by myself at home, there was still this like, <gasps> "What did I witness?" And I, I really, I love that part of sports um, that feels very pure in a way that I think that other parts of it, the commercialized parts, can feel a little bit like, "Ugh, it's just like that's not as inspiring." Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I think about where I sit with the commercialism part of it and, you know, paying a lot of money to go to a game, like having the privilege to be able to do that. Yeah. But then also, I think, you know, after the 2016 election, I started... What happened with that again? <laughs> yeah. I just started thinking about, like, how, how to, like, actively speak out um, and how to do that like at a basketball game or how to, how to do that in my daily life yeah um instead of just like a soapbox on instagram or facebook or whatever so uh i was like i went to a milwaukee bucks game yeah um like january 2017 it was not i think it was like right after right before the inauguration but had made a protest sign um and a friend of mine gave me this text uh we will not fade away like that jumper. Mm. My friend Alex Gardelman, yeah. who's also an artist. Um, so I took that sign to the game, and I just felt like that could be a really like good forum or like a place to kind of disrupt like what was happening yeah. and like have this text. I also had like a Black Lives Matter sign too, so it was like a double-sided thing um, to like. Yeah, just to insert into this scenario where you don't typically see these messages, but it's like, why, why does this have to be a pause? Like, can I not 
show this text and like be in a crowd and, and maybe someone will see it. Yeah, and simultaneously be a fan. Yeah, like so. be still wanting your team to win and still be exactly who you are mm-hmm. outside. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's also been a way for me to like make prints and then like give them away and sort of distribute. Um, just outside of like one sort of singular like protest sign. So yeah. making prints of those and yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting because I think, I mean, of course, there's this whole conversation about like where it's the idea that when you're watching sports, you, you don't want to be doing anything else but watching those sports. And I think that that's also something that I've tried to understand and push back on this idea that like I don't want to be a passive mm-hmm observer I want to be an active participant in what's happening so like if basketball does this then I do this in response Mm -hmm. if baseball does this then I do this in response rather than it being like oh this is my time for being sort of mindless and also just like you know you can learn so much from attending these games or you know just watching the dynamics of um reporters or players it's just there's um there's such like information rich events that totally reflect everything that's happening outside of those events that it's hard not to just be like wanting to just um, insert all of this other conversation into those. Mm-hmm. The, the conversation already exists, it's just like um, being willing to, to shed light on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I think that that's like the big thing is like I don't want to be a couch potato even though I want to take in all this information. Mm-hmm. How can I? How can I respond? Yeah, like yes, like I don't. I don't stand for the national anthem. Yeah. I don't do that at games, and um, I mean I haven't been to a lot of games lately. But it's like at the Reds games. Like I've been to a Denver Nuggets game, the Bucks, like Dallas Mavericks. Like those are all of the places I've been in the last couple of years, and just like this is like in solidarity. Like I'm not mm-hmm. going to do this, and. Um, it's a strange experience to like be aware of what's happening to like see this like extreme patriotism happening and then everyone else around me who are mostly like white people standing for this and in the same way that like like they're sort of putting their hands to like sing the national anthem hands on chest like the sort of I don't know I see it as sort of this like blind Sure, following yeah. like okay like going through the motions but then also like what does it mean to to sit during that and to like wear my Colin Kaepernick shirt to a game mm-hmm. to like really I don't know just be a different kind of presence I think is also yeah. really important and a disruption yeah yeah so that's why I'm like I take the signs like I realized that at a Reds game that I wasn't allowed to bring in a sign, uh-huh. but I did get one in Fourth uh, of July last year. Wow, yeah. So, yeah, and we were like pretty high up, but it felt, you know, it felt like okay, this is not a passive moment. Like I'm going to hold up like this sign. Yes. So, I don't know. It just it it feels productive because it like keeps that language out there and it's also like me being able to like enjoy the thing that I enjoy so like being this conscious consumer like does that make sense yeah I mean I think that that's um I think that takes a lot of 
um, I think it's brave because I think that, you know, within like the context of a women's march or a protest, it's like, of course the signs are expected, the, the shirts are expected, whatever it is, but, you know, this is, um, this is not that same context. And so to kind of put yourself in a position of, of um, with the visuals that like sort of draw attention to these other issues, I wish I could pull the trigger on that too because it just, you know, with the national anthem, like I just go to the bathroom sometimes because I'm scared to just well, like. I think about that. Yeah. I think about, okay. Well, for one thing, I don't like to miss anything. I want to like, mm. oh, I want to come that early okay. and I yeah. want to stay till the very end, no matter what. And yeah, that's mostly because great. like <laughs> growing up, my dad always wanted to leave baseball games early to avoid traffic. Uh-huh. So like 4th of July at the Texas Rangers games, like we wouldn't, we'd see the fireworks from the car. Like yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah. like I want to get there early. I want to stay. So, but I think about, okay, like national anthem time, like. This is, I, I think about like what is the response going to be from the people around me and no one's ever said anything, but I've all, you know, is someone going to throw their beer, you know? It's, right, it's, yeah. It's, it is really scary, but I think it's, to me, it's like, okay, I'm doing this, like, it feels really important. Yeah. And yeah, so. Well, and also, I mean, my fear is totally unfounded based on like my experiences when I have, you know, like, I, I just, um, I, I, a lot of other people in, within our society like have way more of a reason to be worried about taking a stand, maybe based on like how they're perceived than I might, but it's still, um, yeah, I just get worried about like drawing attention to myself in that way, but I think that that's, it's powerful and it's also saying like I want to enjoy this and I want to talk about this issue, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have to tell you that, so this podcast is called Dear Adam Silver, because um, I wrote all these letters to the commissioner of the NBA, but I never sent them, because um, I mean, I made them into cyanotypes, and it was more like, you know, I, some of the stuff was like personal, um, and then a few weeks ago I was like, and this was a year ago that I wrote them, and I mean, it started in response to, he reminded all of like the players at the beginning of the 2017-2018 season that they had to stand for the national anthem because that, there's a rule in the NBA and like the NFL there was already like a rule in place and so I was just kind of annoyed about that I was like listen like the NBA has this chance to be like the league that kind of like allows people to do what they want with their body peacefully like embrace that role rather than oh just so you know you have to stand so I wrote him a letter about that and then I just like wrote him a letter about a lot of things but I just mailed them like right before How I many? came I mailed him five letters. So I wrote eight all together, and then a couple of them didn't make as much sense. They were, because the, the thing with the knees happened so long ago, or the thing with standing, that it didn't make sense to necessarily include those letters. So I, I sent more of like these other ones that talked about basketball and about courts and um, all these random things. So, um, and I mean, I wrote like a regular letter on top saying like, this is artwork and I'd love to have a meeting with you to discuss them. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I admire, I mean, I do admire some of the, the ways that he's run the NBA. So, and I also think that like, I'm Jewish, he's Jewish, and there's this history of like Jewish people having power in basketball that I don't know, I just think it's an interesting thing to like address um, through my own work, not with him directly, but just realizing like how 
we're arriving at these places. Um, and so I'm anxiously awaiting a, response. a phone call <laughs> saying, when can you get out to New York? <laughs> Amazing. But I felt that the work wasn't complete if I didn't mail them. And I think that was like, I feel like I had to say, because my big fear was, you know, the worst case scenario is like I get put on like a weird, not a lot of NBA games list or something. No. But like, <laughs> like even my pictures just getting thrown in the trash or my cyanotypes getting thrown in the trash, like that still wouldn't be as bad. You know, Wait, so you sent him cyanotype letters? letters yeah. Yeah, so when I told him, I was like, this is art. That's amazing. So we'll see, yeah. yeah. Um, so I just felt that, like, it was really important, even when I'm telling this story to you now, that I could say, yeah, like, he has those. I sent them to him, rather mm -hmm. than being like, yeah, they're in my closet. Mm -hmm. Plus, like, it was such a particular series of letters that, like, there was, it was so hard to, like, get them into another exhibition or anything, because it was just, like, like, I needed to have, like, a solo show in order for them to make sense, like, with other work. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, there's no point in hanging on to these because they don't make sense with anything. You know, there's no way I'm just going to get them into, like, a random show. So I was like, these belong somewhere else, and they are letters. And I, I thought of it as, like, a one-way correspondence for the longest time, and I was like, I, the only way that I can think about, I mean, that's not fair. I haven't given him the chance to respond. So I can't just call it a one-way correspondence if he hasn't been mm -hmm. given the opportunity mm -hmm. to write back. So, like, that's the closest I think I've gotten to being like, I'm here, I'm a fan, I'm also someone who's concerned. Mm -hmm. What role can I play in this? And I think also, like, I want to believe that there is maybe somewhere a job for an artist in sports. Oh my god. Yeah. One I tweeted once like NBA artist in residence. Like Yes. So that, so that is my um mm -hmm. that is a dream of mine. <laughs> As there should be. Mm -hmm. If there's like a poet laureate, if yeah. there's you know it's like big powerhouse organizations need need an artist and not someone who's designing the logos. Like someone who's like thinking critically mm -hmm. and turning ideas over and over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Activating the space yes. in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so mm -hmm. I think that, that that should be and could be created. Um, and I think the NBA is, for me, it seems like it's like the best bet because, um, I don't know, there just seems like there's other things happening in there that are, like, are more progressive than, than in other leagues. Yeah, um, totally. But yeah, I, wanna, I truly want to believe that because when I, I mean, I've, I've actually... Um, this past year, I started applying for jobs at that like I'm not qualified for as like you know communications director for you know the University of Arizona uh, athletics program or like assistant this or you know things that like people get their masters in a certain thing for that. Mm -hmm. But I was like, couldn't I do this? Mm -hmm. You know, couldn't you know art is um, in many forms it's all about getting an idea across and communicating. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, we have to write art. about it. We have to write. We have to write. We have mm -hmm. to, you know, the art has to match this. There's so many things that have to align in order for an idea to be succinct. Um, but so I think that that's also part of this, like, ongoing work is this idea of being, like, where can I fit into this conversation? Mm -hmm. Rather than just as someone, like, making work in the studio, showing that work to other artists. Like, mm -hmm. how can this work, um, like, sort of infiltrate these, like, larger discussions? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. 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 It's, we should collaborate. Yes. It'd be fun. Yeah, I'd love to. And, and if you take submissions for your for um, high and outside. I do. I would love to be in Yeah, this is like open call, so listeners. (laughs) Come on out. Yeah, Yeah, you can email me, briannetrammell at gmail.com, and yeah. Yeah. I started to write, well, I wrote like an annotated like table of contents for a book that is about art and sports Mm. and the overlap and that kind of like looks at artists that use sports um, directly and indirectly and yeah so I have that too it'd be fun to like see like what you would think about that and like maybe even I don't know that could be an interesting collaboration to expand on that because I think that I have a really specific like view and um yeah, it's been like fun talking about this yeah. with you because I feel like that's the other thing. Like, it's I think I feel like it's super rare to meet other artists that also genuinely enjoy, appreciate, but also think critically about it. Um, yeah, but there are two other artists in town. They're also moving: uh, Wellie Fletcher and Amanda Carreri, who also enjoy sports. They're going to New Mexico. Yeah. 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 And my friend Miles Turner, also like a curator in town, like we'll watch baseball, basketball games together. Yeah. Yeah. He's like diehard New England sports fan. And I just can't like, I can't deal with the Patriots and uh, their politics and yeah, Tom Brady and all of that. Like it's kind of gross, whatever. Yes. Uh, No, it's not always (laughs) a... um, a cute look. I felt a little, so it's like as a Warriors fan, I felt a little patriotish as they've won more. And when that um, minority owner pushed Kyle Lowry in the finals, when Kyle Lowry like ran into the stands after a ball, like this minority owner shoved him. Mm-hmm. I was like, I think he said, like, get the fuck out of here or something. It was just such an ugly look. And I was like, this is, mm-hmm. this is not. Like this, like progressive Bay Area. Where are you? You're not. You don't actually necessarily exist because how can that exist when there's just like so much money? Yeah. Um, Do you follow the Players Tribune? Yeah. 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 That's also a really great forum, I think, to learn about, um, or to hear from the athletes about like other, all of the other stuff that's happening like off, off the court. Right. Uh, yeah. I think it was Kyle Lowry that wrote. A piece about um, I might be confusing him with a different Kyle but he wrote a piece about I think it was uh, I don't remember I don't know if it was Russell Westbrook who got in trouble because he said something to a fan after the fan said something like really horrible yeah. and racist um, but Kyle Lowry wrote this essay about like his role and the sort of education of himself or self-education in terms of like where does he stand in terms of all of the like racial racist like comments and the injustices that are happening off the court and how he can be how he's learning to be an ally and an advocate Mm -hmm. um and I thought that was a really important essay um super significant yeah so 
Yeah, yeah, that's such a good platform. There's a lot going on there, which I think, for me, makes it even more important to like to bring the signs, to be sitting down, like we were talking about, and um, just taking up space in a way that I hope the other white people at the game will take notice of, or you know, just yeah, that disruption. So not being just a yeah passive like yeah, yeah participant. I think that taking up space in a productive way is a really nice, or in a thoughtful way, is such a nice idea. Because I, I think so much about all the, how much artwork requires you to take up space. Whether that, just like through what you are making, the things you're kind of like adding to the world. Mm -hmm. And I like that it sometimes can be simply just who you are and where you're putting your body and how you're holding your body or what you're mm -hmm. carrying in your hand rather than it being like this print and this frame and this thing and this mm -hmm. other thing. Like, yeah, yeah, know, or about the t-shirt you wear. Right, and, yeah. I mean, yeah, the day, the day after the election, I was teaching at Kent State at the time and I wore like my Colin Kaepernick t-shirt. The next day I was just like, I'm like, this is still, the things that we need to be talking about and paying attention to. And I'd also uh, read that like Colin Kaepernick didn't vote. And I was just like, well, I fucking get it. Like you have one person who's saying all of these really awful things about black people. And then you have someone who's like a total, you know, also like racist. Like, yeah. And so like and I, when you believe that the system does not work for you, then why are you participating in the system? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I learned about the, the Kaepernick protest when I started listening to The Edge of Sports. Do you know that? No. It's Dave Zirin. He's a, a writer for The Nation and sort of like a Muhammad Ali scholar, um, but does a podcast called The Edge of Sports, which is about the overlap of sports and, um, uh, yeah, just like society, history. Yeah. Yeah, it's really amazing. So I heard him on a Canadian NPR show, and then that pointed me to his podcast. And yeah, I would highly recommend yeah. it for anyone that enjoys sports and that wants to be like politically engaged and like how to kind of like bring those things together and process how to be a person or an artist in the world that right. cares about those things. Yeah. Sounds great. I'll have to look that up, the edge of sports. And I also really hope that Colin Kaepernick votes this time. Yeah. Because I think that he has a platform and what he says matters. It's so hard. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I completely agree. I think also another book that was really significant for me is um, Michael Bennett's Things That Make White People Uncomfortable. Mm, yeah. So that's another on yeah. my recommended list. I haven't read it, but I've heard him talk about it on a podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And he, I mean, this was like, I think it, I bought it last summer. So it's like basically post 2016 election through now, like just talking about like the Seahawks and their protests mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, like his history. He has a twin brother who also plays yeah. football or a brother. I don't know if they're twins, but yeah. Important book. Yes. 
Thank you so much Thank for coming you. on the pod. Yeah, this has been so fun. <laughs> yes. And there's so much more that I could talk about. I feel yeah. like we could just do this all day. But. Yes, and also um, you can come on again, especially if there's like a specific event that happens and I'm back with my regular equipment. Okay. Like you can call in. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm sure I'll have some, some things to share after I experience college football in Fayetteville. SEC. Is the SEC? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you about like going to such a huge sports. Yeah, I didn't experience it until I live in Iowa. Right, yeah. So the Hawkeyes, I went to one football game. I went with um, a former colleague who was a veteran. So we went on like the veterans uh, special attendance day, whatever. Um, Yeah, so that was fun. Yeah. Giant flags, amazing marching band. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the culture surrounding it in that small college town was like nothing I'd ever seen before. Yeah. Just the tailgating and uh, it was just wild. Just, yeah, the costumes, yeah. I don't know, face paint, like, yeah, the alcohol consumption was just like, whoa, this is not anything I've ever seen before. I know. I am. Um... I mean, for both my undergraduate degree and graduate degree, I went to huge public universities, but I went to University of Colorado for undergrad and then Louisiana State for graduate, and, like, they were not even close, like, as far as tailgating goes. Like, the, the things that people, like, it's like people would bring their whole living rooms to games in Baton Rouge. Like, they mm-hmm. just set up, they have this, like, second home for two days. Mm-hmm outside like my studio <laughs> carpets yeah. and TVs and couches and um, mm-hmm. yeah it's just uh, it's a lawless land yeah. it feels like all of a sudden nothing is out, off mm-hmm. limits mm-hmm. and um, you know I admire the dedication and the, the following because I I believe in sports is like a spiritual place but um, yeah, I mean, it's really, it also just goes back to, like, we're on a, what used to be a plantation. Right. You know? Yeah. So I think it's just totally. always, like, trying to remember who's watching these mm-hmm. games um, and who's the idea playing? who's playing yeah. and, like, who makes enough money to buy these parking spaces where they can park their RV versus who's playing and not getting paid any money. And mm-hmm. um, it's just, there's, a, there's a, such unhealthy dynamics there. Yeah, it's just a very, there's so many contradictions. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and I think it's important to keep talking about them and, yeah, like, yeah. making work around it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Thanks. Thank you. Yes.